Sims, you're now tuned in to another opinionated episode of the Second Opinion Podcast, covering every topic in the world of gaming that we can think of. Gaming is our passion, and podcasting is our profession. Celeb and Bolts podcasting since 2011. The Second Opinion Podcast starts now. What's going on, guys? It is Celeb back again for another episode of the Second Opinion Podcast, episode number 330. It is your boy Celeb back again. This is a solo cast, and uh, I'm going to be talking about everything in the freaking world on this podcast today. Um, but first off, I just want to say um, I'm sorry. Uh, things have... I don't know. Things have been just crazy. Um, and I'm tired of coming up with excuses for why we're not doing the podcast. Uh, I try to be more consistent. The One of the main reasons why we did kind of hold back from doing the podcast is I had some technical difficulties with my PC uh, to where anytime we recu- recorded with dual mics, it wouldn't work properly. Um, and then I tried to start doing some other style of recording here and there, but Either way, we're not just back uh, doing podcasts, but we are back doing video content creation over on the YouTube page. So definitely make sure to check us out at youtube.com forward slash second opinion podcast. Um, I have a very special review up right there, um, and it is my Far Cry 6 review. So if you want to see some of the gameplay while listening to the review, head on over there and check that out, or check it out on Cinelinks.com or the Cinelinks YouTube page, or you could just tune in to the end of this episode and listen to the 39 minute long review of Far Cry 6. So, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get down into it. What have you been drinking and what have you been gaming? So, today I am actually not drinking alcohol. Um, I am drinking the 2021 limited edition Mountain Dew Voodoo Mystery Flavor. So definitely trying to make it as gaming as possible by uh, drinking some Mountain Dew. But uh, gaming wise, uh, I've been playing a lot of video games. I played Scarlet Nexus today, which is the newest release from Bandai Namco. Um, Also been playing... um, I played Secret Neighbor the other day, which was okay. It was it was all right, um, but um, ramping up to try to do some video content uh, for the YouTube page and for Cinelinks uh, that are Halloween themed. So I don't know why, but I re-downloaded Outlast Two. So with Outlast Two, I purchased it day one, and I think I got twenty-five to thirty minutes into the game. And it was just too horrifying for me. I had to stop playing it. Um, but I'm going to do uh, some video content, um, some playthroughs of Outlast 2. And uh, I'm just going to push through it. So I don't know. Um, we'll see how that really goes. But uh, also, I have been playing, of course, um, I have been playing, of course, Far Cry 6. And. Um, I will share my opinions on that at the end of the podcast, and I have been playing the Battlefield 2042 Open Beta. So if you do, uh, if you were a Ultimate Game Pass owner, you did get early access to the beta, 
uh, to the open beta. Uh, I've been playing it for the last uh, couple of days. Um, I have to say, first off, the game does look good, but there's something that feels far too different about it. Um, first off, the uh, I, I would say the the soldiers that you can choose from from in the game. Uh, I don't know why it just feels off. Like you have the sniper class, the you know light machine gun, the medic, and then the soldier. Um, and like each one of them are like unique looking characters, but I, I really like the way they had things set up in like battlefield one and battlefield five to where you had like multiple different looks. You can customize your look however you want to. I hope that they're, I'm, I'm hoping that the beta just is very basic. They did say that the beta is a, uh, older build of the game. So hopefully that is going to be a hundred percent the case. Um, I know that is a small issue, but I really like customization and with Battlefield 2042 being like an online game only and it's not going to have a story, um, I would really, I, I don't know exactly how I would feel if there was not um, like full true customization for your character uh, when it comes down to the online play, but I don't know. That's a that's a small thing. Now, when it comes down to gameplay, it looked great. I played it on the Xbox Series S, and uh, the frame rates looked amazing. Graphics looked good. Um, there was some times that I was playing uh, in some of these matches, and there was a bunch of screen tears going out throughout the world, and um, that only happened a few matches here and there, but it, would, it wouldn't just be like a little screen tear. It would be like the entirety of the sky would do like a huge screen tear. Um, so it was a little, little wonky, but the overall like gameplay mechanics and gameplay controls and stuff are really nice. One of the biggest features that I just love is the quick attachment system. Like the fact that you can just hold down like LB and use the, um, use the four, you know, buttons like Y, uh, A, B and X to change certain attachments and stuff like that on your weapons on the fly is to me a game changer like that is huge you could literally change your sights change your settings and everything of your gun while you're in a match that that to me is that feels like a 2021 first person shooter um and then the scales of the maps so there was only one map available to play, uh, but there is so much going on. And, you know, you got all this craziness going on. You got the dynamic weather. You have this giant, like, rocket blasting off at the same exact time. And you trying to, like, take down enemies and stuff. Um, so far, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, Battlefield is more, in my ideology, more of a strategic shooter than what Call of Duty really is. And um, I don't know, man. It's a lot of fun. Um, and just to let you guys know, we are still not covering Activision titles. Um, uh, it's a unison decision across the board at Centrelinks. We still feel like Activision uh, still needs to do a lot more for their, uh, for their employees um, than what has been done exactly so far. So Still not covering any Activision titles, so just in case if there is Call of Duty news out there and you don't hear us talk about it on the podcast or on the YouTube pages or Centrelinks, that is the reason why. So, um, 
with that being said, let's go ahead and move down into uh, the topic of discussions um, and gaming news. Um, real quick, I will say I did like, I have liked my time in the beta so far, but it definitely does feel like an earlier version of the game. Hopefully, when the game does release, it's going to be it's going to feel a lot more complete than what it does at this point in time. I've had fun with it. Um, the scale, I think there's 128 players in a match at each time, um, so it it is fun. Um, but I, I I just think there's a lot of work um, to do if that is the final um, if that is the final beta. Now I also did play the Halo Infinite flight test. Um, I did have a lot of fun with that. I was actually really surprised um, with myself how much fun I had with the Halo Infinite flight um, beta because it uh, I'm not the biggest Halo player. Um, now I I. I would probably say this is the most Xbox. Whoops, sorry about that. I knocked my mic halfway across the room. Um, this is probably the most that I have played Xbox in years. But I have very much been taking advantage of not just you know Xbox Game Pass, but some of the other um, you know key aspects of the system. Now the review copy that I did get on Far Cry 6 was an Xbox Series X slash S version of the game. And I um, I am glad that that happened because this game was optimized for Xbox X and Xbox Series S. Um, so I don't know. I don't know really um, what I'm trying to say more or less that like I feel... Like, I really want to play Battlefield 2042 on PlayStation, but at the same time, I feel like um, I'm really starting to get a tone or like attuned to my Xbox. I love my PS5, don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't know, man. That controller's growing on me. Um, <laughs> I just feel like I've really been getting a lot more. Let's say this. I feel like I've been getting a lot more value out of my Xbox Series S recently with all the games that have been constantly being put on Xbox Game Pass and stuff compared to what is being pushed through the Sony side of things. So we'll talk about that a little bit later in our Real Talk session. But we're going to talk about a little bit of gaming news real quick before we get into the Real Talk session and then leading into our Far Cry uh, 6 review. But before we get that started... Please make sure to do me a favor. Head on over to popple.co and use the code Second Opinion Pro and save yourself 20% on your order. If you don't know what Popple is, Popple is the fastest and easiest way of sharing your social media. Um, you can have so many, there's so many different ways of sharing social media nowadays in general, but Popple has it across the board. There's the Popple card, Popple wristband, there's Popple uh, XLs, there is the flats that you can connect to the back of your phone. There's also the Popple bubble. Um, you can do custom Popples that have your own logo on it. It is a, a, a little device that is about the size, a little bit larger uh, than a quarter, and you can attach it to the back of your phone. Um, and then tap it to the top of an iPhone or the middle of an Android 
and uh, it automatically shares your social profiles that you have linked to your Popple profile instantly. So you want to share the latest video uh, that you did, uh, link it to your Popple profile, tap into somebody's phone, it instantly shares. Link all your social profiles, and then uh, tap it to the top of an iPhone, middle of an Android, and it shares everything instantly. So it's literally the fastest and easiest way to share social uh, social profiles, Twitch streams, YouTube pages, podcasts, music, whatever you want, you can share it. You can even do Popple Pay now. Um, so there's all kinds of innovation happening uh, with Popple. So definitely make sure to head on over to popple.co and use the code Second Opinion Pro to save 20% on your order right now. It is the best way to share. And I'm telling you guys, there will never be a reason for you to ever have a business card again. So with that being said, let's get down into some gaming news. The final Super Smash Brothers Ultimate character has been revealed. And it is Sora from Kingdom Hearts. So a lot of people are so, so excited about this. Sora is finally coming to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Everyone is freaking out. I mean, dude, I was at work and my phone just started blowing up and I'm thinking, what is going on? You know, uh, there's some type of like something crazy going on right now in the world. Uh, I don't know what's happening. So I, of course I go on and check and it was the, uh, um, the social medias freaking out that Sora was being put into smash brothers. It says Sora is part of the challenger pack 11 DLC, um, uh, which can be purchased for all uh, from all suggested retailers for the price of twenty nine ninety nine. So, um, with that said, I personally have to say this is some pretty big news, and everyone, of course, is very excited for Sora, and that's great. All right, that's so cool. Sora's coming to the game. Everyone, freak out and have a blast. Let's all freak out together. But let's be real for a second. All right. Something has um, something has happened with this game. Um, and no one's talking about it. And I don't know why. Um, at all. So it was announced, of course, that it was <coughs> it was announced, of course. That Sora is coming to the game and everyone's freaking out about it and just totally losing their marbles. Um, but for some reason, no one is talking about the fact that id Software's Doom Slayer is also coming to Super Smash Bros. And yes, I understand he's not a full character or whatever. I understand that. But he is a me costume. And you can use him, uh, I think it says right here, the Doom Slayer Me costume will get added to Super Smash Bros. very soon as part of the game's Round 11 DLC pack on October 18th for 75 cents. 75 cents. Do you understand that? 75 cents. So, of course... Um, you should no way fans are about to buy this unless you don't plan on like if you don't plan on buying the full DLC or whatever else then cool whatever then buy this okay it's the Doom Slayer and it it looks awesome I don't know that's just me um, so like I said I am very very excited 
um, to see Sora in the game, but I'm also excited to see, uh, you know, some of the other um, little additions. Of course, uh, the Doom Slayer himself uh, in some type of form coming to Super Smash Brothers, especially since I was one of the first freaking people. Well, I will almost say I was one of the first, but I talked about this in an interview with Marty Stratton and Hugo Martin. Um, and I literally asked Marty Stratton, Hey man, listen, you know, the doom slayer is great. Um, but I'm a huge mortal Kombat fan. I'm a huge fighting game fan. Would you like to see him in a game like mortal Kombat or anything like that? And he, he literally said, you know, first off, let me just say, I think the doom slayer would completely destroy everyone. No question. Um, but, also, with that being said, I feel that um, I would love to see him in. I would love to see him in games like Super Smash Brothers. So this was, oh man, this was in 2019. So second opinion exclusive. No, uh, anyways, but uh, I am very glad to see this happening right right now. So next up, next up. Really big deal right here uh, for some people, um, but I got some pretty heavy opinions on it. Seven new PlayStation Now games for October 2021 include The Last of Us Part 2 and Fallout 76. So um, let's see what is all getting added. All right, so we got The Last of Us 2. Um, we also have Fallout 76. We got Final Fantasy 7 Remastered. Um we also have Desperado 3, Amnesia Collection, Victor Vran, Overkilled Edition. Now, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. What's the seventh? Uh, Sony has also already fulfilled the promise of putting um, four other Final Fantasy titles um, on the service. Okay, so let me just say this. Um, <coughs> That's great and all, all right. Just uh, to be honest, that's that's super cool. Oh, it's yet another zombie defense HD. For some reason, they didn't list that down on the bottom. That's the seventh one, but um, that's great and all. Okay, um, new games coming to PlayStation now. Um, to be blunt, coming from a PlayStation fan that is slowly but surely turning to the dark side when it comes down to this pony status. Uh, I am tired of trying to find ways to defend PlayStation. Um, PlayStation has some of the best first party studios out there. No question. Uh, nobody can argue that fact. We can all agree that Sony knocks it out of the park whenever it comes down to first party exclusives. They're always amazing. Um, now, when it comes down to services, though, let's compare PlayStation now to Xbox Game Pass. And look at the service as a whole. There is no reason why Sony should not be doing the same exact formula that Xbox is doing with the Xbox Game Pass services. There's no reason. PlayStation Now um, is, in all honesty, a dying format. It is a streaming service that, um, to my understanding, not a lot of people use. And I'm very confused by the fact that PlayStation is continuously 
pushing this. Now, I understand they invested all kinds of money uh, into PlayStation now, and that's fine. But let's be real. Why not? Why not turn PlayStation now into um, into PlayStation All Access? You know, why why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we turn it into you know the PlayStation Plus Collection Service? You know, or something like that. It doesn't make sense to me um, at all uh, as a gamer. It makes no sense to me. So. I'm very, very irritated uh, with PlayStation that they have continued to um, continue to push PlayStation now um, like it's this huge successful service. Um, and I'm sure it has some success here and there. But honestly, like look at the system of, of Xbox Game Pass. Look at the system as, of Xbox Game Pass. Let's let's be real. All these games that you can download directly to your console for free uh, and just have fun with it. Now, the one thing I will say that does irritate me at times is that if you download certain games on your Xbox and you lose internet connection, you cannot play those games. Uh, that particularly is not the case on PlayStation. You don't always have to have this stuff connected to play some of the games that are downloaded from PlayStation now. But... My thing is this. There's only so many games that you can download from PlayStation Now. And I have both services. There's only so many games that you can download from PlayStation Now. And that is irritating as shit to me. I should be able to download every game that is on there because I am paying for the service. So why why hold your fans back? Why handle, Why hinder my ability to enjoy PlayStation products? Because it needs to be on a streaming service. I don't understand. Maybe I just don't understand the logistics of it. Maybe I don't understand the reasoning why they have to do that. But how is it? How is it okay? Like how is it like so easy to download like PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five titles directly to my console with no problem through PlayStation Now? But when it comes down to PS3 uh, and uh, and some PS4 titles. Um, I can't download them. I don't know. It just bugs me. And it's been something that's been sitting on my chest for quite some time. I'm honestly sick of it. So Xbox Game Pass is like all around an uh, exponentially better service than PlayStation now ever will be. Um, from my understanding at this point, if they continue to do what they're doing and not truly improving the service, I don't see how PlayStation now is going to survive over the next couple of years. So. With that being said, moving on to the next one to get off my soapbox. Um, positive thing about PlayStation right now. Big rumor mills are turning. Iris Singer and songwriter AVA confirms that she has written a song for a big PlayStation remake. And it will be announced in December. That is huge. Because first off, we haven't been on the podcast in a while. But Blue Point Games has been officially acquired um, by PlayStation. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they are working on one of these really big titles, but let's, let's be for real. What titles could we see coming back? So first off, it was already typically announced that, um, a new, uh, twisted metal game is coming 
um, uh, to the PlayStation. But there's all these rumor mills. Supposedly, Konami is working on a Metal Gear Solid reboot um, or, you know, starting Metal Gear Solid back up and Silent Hill remake and all this other stuff. Um, I'm not going to I'm going to literally take all those rumors with a grain of salt until we are actually told officially that that is really coming about. Now, the fact that the singer did say um, on an Irish radio station, the lunchbox, she said um, that she is working on a remake of a PlayStation game. And that it's going to be a big game. AVA further revealed that the PlayStation remake will be announced at Christmas, which could mean a couple of things. Uh, for one, AVA could mean that the game is literally going to be announced on Christmas Day. Um, and then second, it could be one of those scenarios that the game is going to be announced during the holiday season. And there's a one big gaming event around December. <coughs> Excuse me. I was on a speaking rant. Um, so I am reading this off a of game rants, by the way. So make sure to check them out. But uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it would be uh, when it comes down to uh, PlayStation remakes and all this other stuff. Um, I really do feel that it is necessary. I do feel like it could do really great for PlayStation. I've always said that about PlayStation as well. I would love to see them remake all their classic titles with like new graphics, new gameplay. It's like a full rebirth of certain series and stuff like that, like Siphon Filter and all kinds of stuff. Bring it all back. That's fine. Just as long as it looks good and it's new and it, you know, breathes life back into a bunch of dead series, and I am totally fine with it. Um, but. We also do have to think about the realistic point of view is like, is that all we're going to be getting is like consistently just remakes over and over and over again or re-releases? Who knows? Um, I'm very indifferent about it. I feel that uh, I feel that there are some really great things about remakes um, and remasters and re-releases and all that other stuff. And then sometimes... Uh, it's not the best idea. Some of the games out there that do get re-released and stuff, it's just like a given, totally understandable. Uh, but then other ones, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I, I could probably talk about it all freaking day long, but in all honesty, I do feel like there is some really big PlayStation exclusives that could come back and that could be really great. Um, and then there's some PlayStation exclusives that came out back in the day that should just stay dead. So, <clears throat> with that being said, talking about remakes and remasters and re-releases, craziest thing, we all knew that it was coming because of some of the leaks previously, but Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition, has been officially announced on Rockstar's Twitter page. Rockstar has officially announced that Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas will be released in one collection, and it is called the Trilogy uh, Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition. It will be released later uh, this year on PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Rockstar Games Launcher on PC. So, the definitive edition will feature across-the-board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern-day gameplay enhancements for all three titles. 
There will also be a trophy system, which is going to be huge for a lot of trophy hunters out there. Um, yet the games ha will still maintain their classic look and feel of the originals. They will have a bunch of new and improved aspects. So Rockstar said it will share more details on the titles in the coming weeks. It will also be coming to iOS and Android in the first half of 2022. To prepare for these trilogies, Rockstar will be removing existing versions of Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas from digital retailers next week. This marks the 20th anniversary of Grand Theft Auto 3, and to celebrate, Rockstar said it is looking for special gear to collect in Grand Theft Auto Online throughout the upcoming events in the fall, including a commemorative clothe, uh, clothing and um, uh, clothing and apparel aspects for the game. Plus, this month's Grand Theft Auto Online uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto Online event will also have some special surprises, including upcoming possibilities and some unusual activities occurring in and around Southern San Andreas. San Andreas. So, this is really big. Um, I have to say this. So, Grand Theft Auto Vice City and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas were probably some of my favorite Grand Theft Autos uh, of all time. Grand Theft Auto 3 was as well. Now, Grand Theft Auto 3 was one of those games that was like a shock factor for me. Because I remember when Grand Theft Auto 3 first came out, it was a really big deal of how violent it was. Um, and uh, it was... It was crazy because it was literally everywhere. Um, I was a, I think I was a freshman in high school when the game, uh, when the game first came out. I was a freshman in high school, um, and it was a follow-up to 1999's Grand Theft Auto 2. Uh, but Grand Theft Auto 3 came out on the PS2 um, and uh, the Xbox. And it was huge. It was a huge success. It was a great game. I had a lot of fun playing it. I remember seeing the operatic, like, crazy opera-style mafioso commercial whenever I was in Houston at my cousin's house uh, one time. And then whenever we went back, he actually had just got the game. Um, and he was, you know, playing the game and all this other stuff. And we were just freaked out like how violent and crazy the game was um i remember my dad was actually in there watching uh my my cousin josh i think play the game at the time and uh he was like beating the hell out of a hooker with a bat my my dad was like we're not getting this game we're not playing it you know y'all cannot get this game so i was pretty upset because grand theft auto 3 um you know eventually i played the game so much it was crazy but like I said, it was a very, very good game. I very much enjoyed it. Um, but then whenever it comes down to like Vice City and San Andreas, I had a different type of appreciation for those games. Grand Theft Auto 3 was great, but one of the worst things I hated about Grand Theft Auto 3 is that the protagonist literally did not have any words of dialogue in the game at all. So Grand Theft Auto Vice City, of course, did. And, um, you know, with that, you had many other things. You had Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Grand Theft Auto... Um, San Andreas, then it moved on to, you know, Liberty City Stories and all this other stuff. There was full-on huge connections throughout the world. Um, and then the series just kept growing and growing and growing. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, of course, was, you know, was one of the first Grand Theft Autos I played from start to finish over just a couple of weeks of time and just loved every minute of it. But um, 
I'm very excited for this, as you can tell. I think that this is a really cool um, way of celebrating the 20th anniversary of Grand Theft Auto 3 by re-releasing it with new uh, additions, new features, and all kinds of stuff. Um, I think that this is going to be, of course, a successful uh, su successful release for Rockstar. Um, but at the same time, I do have to say, I'm sure there are going to be people that are on uh, the internet right now that are probably going to be um, probably going to be trolling like crazy about this because um, they want you know more news about Grand Theft Auto Six instead of classic Grand Theft Auto titles, but let's just look at it like this. You're going to be able to play Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas with updated graphical quality, with better gameplay mechanics, and you'll be able to play it on your PS5, on your Xbox, on all different types of stuff, on your Switch. Um, so I, I think this is huge news. If you don't think this is huge news, I really honestly don't know what to tell you because... It really is. Um, it is. Uh, it is huge, um, especially. I, I know a lot of people, for some reason, count out the Switch all the time. But you're going to be able to play Grand Theft Auto the Trilogy on your Nintendo Switch, especially with the OLED version of the Switch coming out now. Like you know, now you have like if you've been holding back and waiting because you don't really know exactly what you want to play. If you haven't had a chance to play through these games, this is a perfect game for you to play on Nintendo Switch. Like the all the all the uh, trilogy, basically all in one, just on that one console. Being able to play Grand Theft Auto mobily and not have to play it on your phone, I'm down totally. So, anyways, sorry I was skipping skipping a beat there for a minute, but. With that being said, uh, we kind of talked about our Real Talk section just a bit ago because I kind of got into a rant about how um, I am at the point of having a very big distaste for PlayStation recently. Um, and that's just how I feel. I don't know. Comment and let me know what you think. If you're listening to this podcast, wherever it's at, if there's a way of commenting, please comment and let me know your opinion so I can, uh, you know, talk about it here on the podcast. But with that being said, we're going to move down into our Far Cry 6 review. Now, I gave the game a 4 out of 5. Um, but I want you to listen to this review and understand why I gave it a 4 out of 5. And uh, understand why I think it is everything that I've been looking for in an open world title for some time. So... Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this very short um, and express version of the episode uh, of the Second Opinion Podcast of the episode podcast of the Second Opinion Podcast. Please make sure to check us out on Anchor FM, Spotify, iTunes, Google, and pretty much everything. Of course, make sure to check us out on Cinelinks.com. Talk to you guys soon. Peace out. What's going on, guys? It is Celeb back again for another review this time around. I'm here to review Far Cry 6, brought to you by Ubisoft. The game releases October 7th. So first off, I want to give a big shout out to Ubisoft for giving us this opportunity to review the game and play it early. I reviewed the game on my Xbox Series S, um, and I do have to say I have been having a lot of fun running around this crazy and revolutionary island of Yara. So first off, make sure to comment, like, and subscribe on this uh, video. Uh, I want to hear your opinions on the game, and we want to engage with you a ton 
on the Second Opinion YouTube page, the Cinelinks YouTube page, and Cinelinks.com. So please make sure to leave your comments. Let us know what you think about the Far Cry series and if you plan on playing this installment of Far Cry. So if you're watching this video review, you probably already know the basis of the story and what Far Cry 6 is all about. But just to kind of give you a, a real quick and brief overview, back in 1967, there was a revolutionary war that happened on the island of Yara that cut it off from the rest of the world. Uh, a guerrilla leader took power and ruled the island of Yara for a while. And after he died, Anton Castillo took power uh, after he was elected by the people because he promised to bring Yara back to its, uh, you know, beautiful and free ways of things back when his family and when his father ruled the island. So he was elected, and of course, he is a tyrannistic madman. So as we have seen in previous Far Cry installments, the main villain is a psychopath that always has a justified reason for being a psychopath. Uh, and Anton Castillo is, uh, is definitely one of the maddest that I have seen in the Far Cry series in a while. Um, he is a, a very crazy nationalist, and uh, I have to say the one and only uh, Giancarlo Esposito does uh, uh, an amazing job at portraying this madman, uh, as we have seen him do in many other roles uh, through the years of him being an actor. Uh, Mr. Esposito and uh, uh, the many other voice actors just really show you the dramatic aspect of this game's story. And you really feel for the people of Yara and you feel for the Libertà and what they're trying to push for of making Yara free of its tyrannistic leader. But it's hard not to get connected to Anton Castillo because of his son, Diego, who is a 13-year-old boy that's been raised by a madman. Uh, he's been raised his entire life as, you know, a dictator's son that will step into his father's shoes once he has passed. Um, and I felt a lot of times throughout the story when you did have these engagements with Diego that you couldn't help but feel bad for him with everything that he's going through because he does have a conflicting life. He does have a father who is a severe dictator that is trying to teach Diego his ways. But at the same time, you see Diego, he does have compassion. He does have care for the people of Yara and he wants to be better than his father. But as I said, he has that conflict. There are times that you will see him, you know, he doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. And that's the great thing about the character that you're playing, Danny Rojas. He has as much compassion and care as Diego does, even though he is trying to leave Yara. He wants to leave his problems in the past and leave the island in the past and move on with his life. He eventually realizes that he cares about his home and he wants to not only try to free Yara from uh, Mr. Anton Castillo, but he also wants to try and save Diego from becoming just as bad, if not worse, than his father. So the story is very dramatic. Uh, there are, you know, a couple little comedic aspects that happen in the side missions and stuff, but the main story is a very dramatic uh, story. But with that being said, I did 
feel that there were times that I was playing the game that it was predictable. And I think the reason why I felt that it was a predictable experience is because we have had this type of situation happen in many other Far Cry titles to where there's a dictator and you have to free the people and you have to, you know, work with a rebellion group against a tyrannistic, uh, you know, leader. Uh, we've had that happen in, I think, almost almost every Far Cry title as of yet. So um, it's hard not to feel that this is a predictable story. Not saying it's a bad story. It's just there are times that things happen um, throughout the story that I felt like already knew were going to happen. You know, so I'm trying to keep this as spoiler free as possible. I don't want to reveal a lot about the story to you guys um, because I know there are some people that are not going to be able to play this day one. Uh, but just know going into this that the the story is good. It is a very dramatic and very cinematic story that tells a really good tale of not just you know, uh, people rising from the ashes to take their country back. But it also tells a story of culture and history. And when you go, uh, to an Island, like, you know, uh, in this perspective in the game with Yara, that's a good thing that Ubisoft did with this title is they didn't just draw a painting or, you know, paint this picture with, uh, with, you know, you know, tyrannistic guy that you have to take down and bring back. You see that it's, it's the entire people of Yar that not only want to bring this country back to themselves and the power and then the hands of the people, but there's so much history and culture and there's so much, uh, I would say there's so much love that is, uh, in the world, uh, when it comes down to the yarn people, Ubisoft did a really great job of kind of telling that tell as well. When I say that, there's a lot of times that the main mission mainly focuses on taking down Castillo, but the side missions like the Yarn stories, uh, which are basically your side quest, you not only get to uh, not only get to bring people into the Libertad army and help you take down Castillo, but you are introduced to a lot of other aspects of the world of, uh, of Far Cry 6 and the history that is built around this island. And I thought that was really great. I felt uh, it made me feel like the experience was more realistic when I would like play a story mission and then go and do a Yara mission and then play a story mission and then do a Yara mission because it didn't always feel like I was doing the same thing constantly. Like times I felt... Uh, like the times I felt in Far Cry 5. There was a lot of times that doing the side missions and the story missions of Far Cry 5, I felt like it was always the same thing over and over again. But in Far Cry 6, it feels like everything is dramatically improved when it comes down to storytelling um, because the side missions, to me, actually felt more meaningful this time around. Uh, and they weren't just... Even when you compare it to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there was a lot of times that you would have story missions in that game that, to me, felt just unnecessary. They had no meaning. Uh, you didn't get rewarded well for them. Uh, but when it came down to 
when it comes down to Far Cry 6, and I was doing these side missions, not only would I learn more about Yara as an island, but I would be rewarded well. Uh, there was a lot of times that I would do these Yara missions and be able to bring people into uh, the Los Bandidos uh, operations, which are operations that you can assign people to um, at, at, your, uh, at your home base and get them to go do these missions and bring back uh, certain resource materials or resolver materials or even camp resources that uh, can be uh, you know really helpful. So you don't have to go out and do it by yourself um, and, and feel like you're taking yourself away from the story just to be able to upgrade your camp. I can up like go and recruit people and they could do that while I'm focusing more on the story. And when I come back to the camp, I can look into it, see if they successfully completed their mission, and then keep going through the story. So it just felt like it was an all-around, um, very well-built universe uh, of the Yarn Island and, and what what the history of this island really has to do with. So to get back on point with that, you know, you play as Danny Rojas. He, you know, I chose the male version, and, and you know, he has as much compassion. Uh, for people as many other people do in this world. Um, and the two people that really care about Yara uh, that I felt are Clara uh, uh, Garcia and Juan Cortez. And they're some of the main leaders of the Libertad. And it was a really great connection, uh, I felt, uh, that Danny had with both of these characters. There wasn't ever a time that I was that I was involving myself with them or doing missions with them that I felt like it was just something else that I was having to drag through. Um, I think that has to do with the scripting and the writing of the story. And really, honestly, I think it has to do with the location as well. Though I did like the location of The Last Far Cry, I feel like... This more tropical uh, and like wild and crazy island, I felt like it was. Uh, I felt like it was a lot more. Um, I don't know. I, I I felt like it was a lot more. I had a better connection with what was going on in the world on a continuous basis uh, while playing this game compared to playing it in Far Cry, where I just felt like I was in you know the mountains doing the same missions over and over again. So. Like I said, uh, Juan Cortez is a great character and the banter that you have with him and the banter that you have with uh, Clara, there's a lot of times that uh, there's a lot of times that I felt that it was a realistic connection and the missions that they would put me on, I felt more uh, want and need to get them completed because of the interactions that you have with them in the story. So... <clears throat> To break off of that and uh, talk about the like yarn stories and all that other stuff, the side missions, the the overall aspect of uh, of the uh, story mode of of Far Cry Six is is phenomenal. Um, really is the the story and the plot was very well driven. As I said, though, it does seem like at times it was predictable. I kind of felt like I knew what was going to happen when certain big situations came about in the game. But I feel like it was enjoyable enough and it was written well enough that I was able to continue without feeling bored or feeling like, okay, I've played this before. So uh, that's a really good aspect of the game. 
Okay, so since I was already talking about Yara, I want to talk about Yara as an island in the gameplay-wise. So first and foremost, the way that they split this island up is fantastic. Like, Yara is split into five different regions, and each one of these regions are different. So I'm going to try to say these properly without, you know, completely butchering them, but you have Isla Santora, you have uh, uh, El Esta, you have Esperanza, you have... Madarungara, and then you have Vala de, de Oro, I guess. Uh, I'm sorry if I said that completely wrong, but each one of these areas is completely different. So you have Esperanza, which is like the capital city. Then you have uh, you have the Ala Santora, where which is where you first start off, um, and uh, then you have uh, you have the Vala de Oro, and that area of the map is like really swampy and like super cra it's it's crazy how each one of these regions are like completely different they're all on the same island but no matter where you go um no matter what region of the island you're on it always feels like a different experience though you are dealing with some of the same situations of trying to you know take down this or capture this or whatever it always like the visuals change constantly so each one of these areas doesn't always look like the same and that was one of the best things about this game is the discovery aspect and just exploring the island as a whole um exploring yara, yara is in, in my my opinion probably one of the coolest things so you not only have all these different crazy regions but you have so many different ways of exploring so you can use like wingsuits you have all different cars uh and customizable like vehicles and stuff you could do you can ride horses um you could do all kinds of stuff like hovercrafts jet skis boats if you can think of it, there's probably a way that you can do it in the game of like driving around and just exploring this vast and huge open world that Ubisoft has built for us. So uh, I there was never a time that I was ever bored just like walking around and exploring. And I felt like there was a lot of times that I was doing that. Um, one of the cool things, though, is like with each region comes uh, different, not only different challenges but i felt like each region was almost its own game because you have the way the story is set out you would go to each one of these regions and find people to help you with taking down castillo or you would go to these regions and find you know people that work for castillo um and honestly it was really really cool so you would go to these regions and not only have all the other stuff that you can do, like treasure hunting or fishing or mini games or whatever, but then you felt like it felt like you, there was never a time you were always doing the same mission. Though there are times that it feels predictable in the story, um, that you, like the main story, there was not a lot of times that I felt by doing some of these side quests or doing some of the operations missions or yarn stories that I always felt like I was doing the same thing cuz it's there's not a there's not a straight path in this game. Uh and that's a good thing. There's not like you have to go down this track and if you don't go down this track you're not going to be able to succeed. Now, going to different sections of the island when you're not leveled up to the proper ranking 
can be very horrible for you. And I found that out by going to uh, uh, Esperanza, uh, the capital city. Whenever I went to the capital city, um, I think the first time I went to the capital city, I think I was a level three uh, or a rank three. And that's more set, I think, for like a level seven or eight. And I was completely uh, destroyed very quickly. So, um, as I said, there's a lot of really, really diverse and cool ways that Ubisoft built the island of Yara. And it never feels, in, in my opinion, it never feels like it's always the same thing when it comes down to gameplay. You always have something to do. Uh, either, as I said, uh, the miscellaneous tasks of, you know, collecting um, resolver materials or camp materials or even doing the, you know, special operations missions. Uh, but then you can even, you know, search all over the island for, you know, uh, a lot of different really cool stuff to customize your weapons, your characters, your cars. You can find spray cans. You can find all kinds of stuff. So just a, a few fun things that you can do that Ubisoft had, you know, listed. Uh, you could do like the mini games. Like I played dominoes a lot. You can do chicken fighting in the game. And like that's one of my favorite things about the game. Like you can go around the entire island of Yara and find I think a total of I think there's 16 chickens that you can find and bring them back to your camp. And when you bring them back to your camp, it's actually set up like a full on street fighter esque fighting game, but with chickens. And <laughs> I thought that was like one of the craziest and coolest things about the game. But then of course you can do all the side missions. You could do free roaming. Uh, you know, you can, you know, while you're driving around, you, you find so much. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of times as in Far Cry 5 and many other uh, Far Cry installments that while you're driving around, you find uh, some of these people with these exclamation marks on their head and they'll not only give you, they'll give you locations for like treasure hunts, but they'll give you locations for like military base, for um, anti-air support, for all kinds of stuff. And by taking down like the military bases and anti-air support, I felt like it was much easier for me to explore those uh those regions of the island so that kind of pushed me and drove me to to take care of these things because they didn't like i wasn't going to these islands or these regions and uh going to these regions and taking down these areas and then them just get, getting built back up like there was sometimes in far cry 5 i felt that i would go and take down these areas and then eventually they would attack the areas and take them back over. So it was always, it was like continuous. Um, and I don't know if that happened with a lot of other people, but it definitely happened with me. There was a lot of times that I felt like I was just doing the same mission over and over again because they kept taking over these areas. But that doesn't happen in this. I feel like when you actually progress, you actually progress. And by doing some of these little side fun miscellaneous missions and stuff, you're actually rewarded. So not only by like playing dominoes and doing the chicken fighting and the crazy like racing and all the other stuff, uh, do you have fun doing it, but you get rewarded with not just like money or pesos, but you also get rewarded with things that can help you in the game. Like by doing the Los Bandinos uh, operations while doing that, you get exclusive rep weaponry. 
uh, by doing the yarn stories, uh, there's a lot of times that you meet like really uh, uh, unexpected characters. Uh, thing, and that's whenever it comes down to like spoiler aspects. I don't want to really talk about a lot of different spoiler perspectives of the game, but you're. I feel that if you're a Far Cry fan, you're going to be pleasantly surprised with a lot of the aspects of this game when it comes down to like yarn stories and side missions you can also do as you could in previous uh, far cry games uh hunting mythical animals so you can do the hunting missions you can do fishing you can do you know chicken fighting you can play dominoes you can do treasure hunting you can do the yarn stories the operations you can co-op the game you can even upgrade your camps like you could in assassin's creed valhalla to where you go around the world and get all different types of camp materials, come back and do additional add-ons to the camps. And with these resources, not only does it upgrade uh, different stuff at your camp, but it gives you more missions. It gives you more hubs at your camps, easier accessibility into like, you know, hunting, fishing, uh, your Los Bandidos. Uh, it, it moves from one hub to another to where it, it literally is just a recruiting station as you had in Assassin's Creed Valhalla to where you can send different characters out from one hub instead of it being, you know, kind of grouped together. So the customization of, of the world is not just with your, with your character, with your weapon, with your car, but you can easily customize your camps with these easy accessible resources in the world. So it just builds the uh, freedom to play aspect of the game that much more. So there's so much in this game. It is ridiculous. I honestly cannot tell you guys the last time that there was so much put into a game. I think the last time I felt that there was this much put into a game, it was like probably Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I spent over two to 300 hours in that game trying to complete all the side missions and quests and all that other stuff. And I feel like I'm going to spend just as much time in this game trying to complete all the side missions, trying to get as close as possible to a trophy as I can. Um, and it's going to be fun the entire time. So with these side missions, you can also uh, gain the ability of having amigos. So in previous uh, Far Cry games, you had the ability of having, you know, like, you know, your backup and uh, your backup were people that you that joined you and you can call them out and about whenever you want to. In this game, you can have your amigos and the amigos consist of a ton of crazy animals. And I'm going to tell you, there is some really, really, really cool ones in this game. There's some that I'm not going to talk about because of spoilers, but Three that I will talk about is Guapo, Charizo, and Chicharon. So Guapo is a crocodile with a gold tooth. And I'm going to tell you what, man. This dude is unbelievable. He is originally Juan's pet, but uh, you unlock him after doing a certain mission. And his abilities... So first off, Guapo can uh, recover health by himself without you having to go over there and do it, which was one of the best things. And that was great to me because there's a lot of times that you're in these missions and there's so much craziness going on on screen that it's really hard to stop what you're doing and run over to them just to revive them. You can still do so, but if you're in the middle of a really heavy firefight, he will revive himself. But also, 
he takes down these enemies like a beast, you know, snapping their necks, throwing them all over the place, doing his like, you know, rolling them. And I, I really felt like he was a fantastic amigo to have a lot of times, especially whenever it came down to like the swampy areas and you're having to take on actual crocodiles. Guapo would come down there and do his little crocodile growl and make him run off. Or, you know, it, it's it's nice to have a crocodile on your side when you already got, you know, crocodiles and alligators and all this stuff coming at you. So then you have Chorizo. So Chorizo is a dog, really, really cute puppy that has both of his back legs are gone, but they're replaced with wheels. His main ability is to distract enemies so you can easily sneak past them. And I felt like this was really, really cool. There was a lot of times that I tried to be sneaky to just sneak in, grab what I needed to grab, and then leave. It was pretty awesome to have him walk around with me as well. There was a lot of times I felt bad, though, because some of the other animals in the game will jump in your car, but Chorizo, he can't jump in your car, so there's a lot of times you just drive off and leave him, and he's squeaking along on the side of the road, and you're like, okay, well, I'll meet you at the location then. But then we talk about the biggest badass in this game, and that's Chicharron, which is this huge chicken that has piercings and crazy red feathers, and he is like my favorite amigo of the game, no question. He can slingshot himself at enemies. He throws himself all around the place. And I'm going to tell you what, he is like a fiery, fiery chicken. And I really mean that. Like, there's so many times that he'll just run up. Uh, if you're walking into a base or going to do a mission and there's like a barrel of gasoline, he'll run over there and like peck at the barrel until gasoline starts pouring out to make the gasoline explode. And then he'll start attacking all the enemies. He was just a great amigo to have in the game. I had so much fun having him by my side. And it's hilarious to see this big ass punk rock chicken running next to you the whole time i had a, a ton of fun using these amigos and i definitely suggest that you use them in your playthrough as well i actually have a couple of friends that have played far cry before and they said well i didn't really use some of my companions i just tried to do it by myself but i'm telling you using your amigos definitely comes in handy so next i want to talk about a couple more aspects of the game that i really loved First off, I loved that they brought back transmogrification. I can't say it properly, but with this ability, you have the ability of not just adding the customization to your character, but if you like the look of one of your one of your helmets, but it doesn't have the same abilities as another helmet, you can literally just change the appearance of the, the stuff that you actually have on your head. So that's been something that's been popping up in a lot of Ubisoft games, and I'm so glad that they brought that to this game. Uh, but another aspect of the game that I loved was the ability, of course, meeting Juan Cortez and seeing that he makes Resolver Weapons and Supremo Backpacks. So these Resolver Weapons and Supremo Backpacks are definitely something that you should use. So the ones that I really felt like I used a lot were Exterminator, uh, the Volta, and the Furioso. And another one is the Gladiator. So like with the Gladiator, you actually, with that backpack, you inject this like, pretty much you inject steroids into your body. 
your uh, speed and health and everything is maxed out and it's so easy to do like chain machete kills. I thought that was a really, really cool Supremo backpack. And Furioso is awesome as well. You emit like this explosive blow of fire from the bottom of your backpack and it boosts you up into the air and it burns everyone around you, catches everyone on fire and pretty much kills them instantly. The other one that I thought was really cool was the Exterminator. It basically launches a series of rockets into the air and all those are like heat sink rockets so they'll it'll lock on to not just uh enemies that are running around you but it'll lock on to helicopters it'll lock on to um tanks anything that is an enemy it'll lock on to and blow them up so another thing the resolver weapons so the resolver weapons i thought were really really cool as well you have flamethrower, you got a chain gun, you also have this other resolver weapon that shoots giant projectiles out. You have this one that's really, really cool, one that emits like a giant EMP and it takes down a, a ton of different uh, a ton of different uh, weapons and, and uh, uh, tanks and all this other stuff all at one time. So these type of things are, are, are really fun to have. Uh, but you do have to acquire depleted uranium uh, to do this. And as I said, that gives you another incentive to go and take down the anti-aircraft like cannons um, or air supports. You have to take those down because that's where you find your depleted uranium. And then you go back to uh, Juan's office, which is on Libertad Island, and you can upgrade your weapons you can change like you can customize the color of them you can have charms on them all different types of stuff so basically this game is all about like freedom to play and that's something that i've talked about a million times that a lot of these games need to be all about you know what the player wants to do so there's not a lock on where you have to go and what you have to do first once you get onto the island of Yara and you get through that main like introductory mission, you can do whatever you want and you can do it however you want. And I thought that was probably one of the best aspects of this game as well as just being able to explore. You can do what you want, how you want. And uh, that's I feel that that is what Far Cry has been building up to at this point of making an open world experience that players can just come in and play it however they want to and not feel like they're locked behind a, a play gate or you know even a pay gate um and uh that's that was a really cool aspect of that of this game so there's a lot of other little small little things here and there um when it comes down to the music of the game the music is just you while you drive around you listen to the music it makes yara feel alive you feel the history uh you feel i don't know man i mean you know i'm just a white guy but like i felt so enthused while i was driving around this uh this beautiful uh island of yara and listening to this music and seeing the culture that that ubisoft built into this game and really celebrates about you know like uh latina and uh south american culture and stuff and i i'm i'm just uh blown away by it, it it's just uh, there's so much love when when it comes down to that perspective of the game that ubisoft put into it and i feel like a lot of uh latina gamers are really gonna appreciate what ubisoft did 
with the island of Yara and the history and the music and just everything about it. So big ups to Ubisoft on that as well. It was uh, it was definitely a really really cool experience to see a lot of that that perspectives and just. I don't know, man. It, it you know, it, it was just a really cool feeling. So moving on from that, um, something else that I felt um, was really great to do was the special operators missions. Um, these are little side quests and missions that you do, and uh, by doing this, you get um, you get uranium as well as different points, and it it almost felt like DLC, you know. So there's only so many available whenever you first start out the game, and I'm guessing there's probably going to be more um, as the uh, as the year goes on with the season pass and stuff like that. But the few that I did, I, I felt like it was really cool, and it wasn't something that was like a timed mission. It actually felt like I was going and doing something that was meaningful. So to to base things down to, to what I'm trying to get across with this review, Ubisoft really put a lot of love and care into this world. Now to say that and, and just mention the few little bad issues that I had, I did mention that some of the story was predictable. So to some fans, that could be a negative thing. But the, the other small issues, I know I've been pretty positive throughout the main amount of the review, but the other small issues that I did have were the bugs in the game. Uh, the bugs are not extremely bad, and I can't say that they were game-breaking, but there were multiple times on my Xbox Series S that the game crashed, and there is a day one patch that will be available that will fix that. But it did suck to be playing through a main mission and the game just crash on me. A few other times, there were just random open world bugs. So either, you know, my car just like, you know, exploding or there was uh, like, for instance, there was one time I was trying to run up a, a rock and whenever I ran up that rock cliff, something happened and it just launched me into the air and I died. So... And I know this has never been something that has been in a Ubisoft title before, but one issue that I have had with some of the Far Cry games before in the past is the driving. The driving can be better. It's a first-person driving experience, and there's a lot of times that it's really hard to navigate where you're going or what you're doing. I'm a really big first-person guy, but I would love for the option or the ability to just switch to a third-person driving mode while driving because there's few times that it happened uh, or a few times that it happened, but multiple times while I'm driving, trying to pay attention to the road, uh, the, the AI that's driving on the other side, if it was an enemy, they would randomly turn into me after they had already passed out of my field of view. So, they would try to run me off the road and I couldn't really see exactly where I was going. And I also feel that if there was a third person mode in the driving uh, aspect of the game, you would be able to appreciate the graphical presentation of the world a little bit more than you would in a first person mode. But it's kind of more or less, I have to say, those small issues with the game were not something that really held me back. It did kind of it did kind of damper my experience to realize that the story was somewhat predictable, but it didn't ruin my experience. I felt like the overall aspect of Far Cry, uh, Far Cry 6 is so fun and so engaging, and there's so much to do in this world that I can't really say that it dampered my experience enough to where I'm like, okay, I don't want to play this anymore. 
because I, I feel that with each Far Cry game that has come out, we have continuously got an upgraded experience. <clears throat> and to this point, I can say that this Far Cry is the best on the market and should be played by every Far Cry fan. Uh, I think that this game has so much potential uh, and there's so much to do that no matter what type of gamer you are, you could find something in this world that you would really enjoy. Even if you're not that big of a gamer and you just like to explore, play this game. Listen to the music. Listen to like not just the music that's on the radio, but like the background music, the intensity of like what it tells a story in itself. Like as you're playing some of these missions and you're seeing the hold that uh, Castillo has on this world, uh, it's so cool to hear the music just intensify and with each area you go into it it feels like the music is telling its own tale um, as well as the art design of this game and uh, and the overall design of the world you know everywhere you go in these five different regions each one of these regions has its own story to tell so that's the reason why I do feel like this game has so much potential. And with that potential, it's just going to stretch even further with its post-launch with its post-launch roadmap. You know, ever like they have a ton coming out. They have different DLCs, they have crossover missions. Uh, they have a lot of different really cool stuff coming to the game that will that I think I will definitely be playing up until uh, the uh, beginning of next year. So I'm really excited, and I definitely suggest that if you want to play this game in its entirety, get the Ultimate Edition because it does come it does come with free post-launch DLC, but there is other stuff that I think will really enhance your experience playing the game overall. I suggest you get this game if you're a Far Cry fan, if you're an open-world fan. There's so much for you to do. There's never a time that I played this game and felt like I was bored. Like every time I start the game up, I get excited because I don't know what I'm about to get into. You know, like there's not not a time that I'm like, okay, well, let me drudge through this mission so I can move on to the main story. And I feel that's what was so exciting in the last couple of Ubisoft titles is that they're trying to make these games so expansive with so much to do that some people could feel like it's overfilled with content, but I feel like this game is exactly what I've wanted for years from an open world title. There's so much to do. There's so much to explore. There's so many ways of customizing your gameplay experience that no one can get, get bored with this title. So overall, I've had a great experience with Far Cry 6, and I'm going to give this game a 4 out of five so four stars out of five definitely make sure to check this out please make sure to hit that like button comment below and let us know what you think about far cry 6 and this review please also make sure to show love to ubisoft thank you guys so much for giving us this opportunity to play this game and review it early check us out at cinelinks.com peace out was that fun? Yeah. That was fun. This was another opinionated episode of the Second Opinion Podcast. Check out the podcast on Anchor FM, Spotify, iTunes, and Cinelinks.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Second Opinion Podcast, for tons of gaming content coming soon.